Well, hello there. It's great to see you guys again, and welcome back to Through the Wealth Lens. I am your moderator today, Ryan Ruff, and I'm joined alongside the right, my right-hand men and really the, the stars of our show, and that's Mr. Hannes Grasher, International Private Wealth Advisor over at UBS and a fellow UBS advisor in Max Grasher. And we're going to be diving into a really important topic today surrounding the idea of financial literacy. So to kind of frame up today's discussion, to be financially successful at any age, frankly, it's important to be financially literate. And that is to know how to navigate fundamental concepts surrounding money. But the earlier we can begin instilling that level of knowledge and financial literacy in our kids, the better off they'll potentially be down the road when it comes to any sort of relationship they have with money. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be examining how parents and grandparents can really be helping theirs and, and maybe even themselves along the way to become more financially literate and empower the people around them to make smart financial decisions as their life goes on. But before we get into the discussion, let's go ahead and welcome the guys aboard. Hannes, Max, it's good to see you this morning. How are you guys doing? Hey, Ryan, good to be here. End of the week. We're all, we're all happy it's Friday. How's it going, Ryan? Good to be on. Yeah, yeah. Good to be with you guys. Happy Friday to you. Uh, guys, topic of the day surrounding financial literacy and how to really improve people's levels of their financial knowledge overall. Where do we in general uh, stand in terms of our understanding of the core financial concepts? What do you guys see from you know the average Joe, if you will, out there? Well, first, let's start by defining what we mean by financial literacy. At its most basic, financial literacy means the ability to understand various financial related concepts and put them to use. The National Financial Educators Council define, defines it as having the financial knowledge, behaviors, systems, team, and plan to confidently take effective action that best fulfills an individual's personal, family, and global community goals. So essentially, it's about having the knowledge and skills to make smart decisions about your money. And Hannes, uh, you know, currently where we stand right now, how would you say the state of our financial literacy is in the United States these days? Yes, Ryan. So the numbers are a bit discouraging, frankly. Um, just about 34% of adults showed high, high, high levels of financial literacy based on a, on a test offered by the FINRA Investor Indication Foundation that asked questions about inflation, interest rates, mortgages, and other topics. In particular, our understanding of risk and uncertainty is low. Adults, on average, correctly answered just 36% of the questions in another financial literacy study relating to comprehending risk. And one financial literacy study overall results have, have ranged from 49 to 52% over the past five years, meaning that respondents could answer only about half of the questions they were asked them. Man, so I, yeah, I can absolutely understand why these these you know results would be a little discouraging. But Hannes, do you have any sense of what's causing kind of those low low numbers? Well, unfortunately, there's just not a lot of clarity about why financial literacy rates are so low. But the good news is that the problem is getting more and more attention lately. Findings like the ones I just mentioned are prompting more affluent families as well as educators to push for greater financial literacy among kids and other young Americans to help reverse recent trends. So for example, 89% of people with children say that financial literacy should be a required subject in school, according to the Spectrum Group. Indeed, if you have children or grandchildren, there's likely a lot you can do to instill some financial smarts in your heirs. 
Yeah, I, I want to double click a little further into this, guys. Max, in your eyes, what would what do you see parents and grandparents being able to do, and what they can kind of be doing ongoing to boost the financial literacy among the younger generations that they kind of watch over? Sure, Ryan. So, job one really is to address the issue head on. You know, often we find people say parents should primarily be responsible for educating their kids about money. However, many of these parents don't regularly discuss financial matters, so it's got to become a more frequent, regular conversation. Um, in addition, the adults and parents themselves may need a refresher course on some foundational financial concepts before discussing them with their kids. So it's not just the younger people who need to be more financially literate after all, it's pretty much everyone. Sure. So let's double click a little further into that, Max. What concepts would you say people, well, children especially, uh, really need to learn in order to consider themselves financially literate? Yeah. So, I mean, they really differ depending on the age group and possibly the maturity level. Um, what's more, there's an order to these discussions that can help you build on earlier concepts. So starting out by discussing the yield curve with an eight-year-old isn't really going to get you too far. Um, but a talk about saving and investing money for growth might followed by running the numbers to show the power of compound interest. Um, there isn't a right approach suitable for everyone. So, you know, that said, you probably want to address specific financial concepts, not just values, value focused lessons, such as the importance of saving money. Your initial list of important financial topics could look something like this. So unit pricing. Trips to the grocery store are always a good and natural way to help a kid grasp the concept of price per pound, price per ounce, and the like. So he or she can see how items that might seem less expensive can actually be more costly over time. Budgeting. Setting up a basic budget can be one of the, the best ways for kids to wrap their arms around concepts like cash inflows and outflows, necessities versus wants, and emergency funds. Budgeting is actually a concept that some affluent families struggle to teach and hand down to younger generations, particularly if they have enough wealth to consistently take care of all their needs and almost all of their wants. This is where letting kids get some practical experience and allowance, a small side business can really make a big impact. Then we have savings yields. So part of the discussion on the importance of having a savings account and part of the process of setting up that account can include what a bank or other financial institution will pay you to park your money with them. So compare yields offered by local banks, online banks, uh, CDs, and other common vehicles for short-term savings or emergency funds. Then do the math to see how much money you'd have at the end of one year with those various yields. Expand on the topic by discussing the differences in liquidity and access to your funds in these different account types. And then, guys, if we look a little deeper into this idea of becoming financial literate, because those, those three items and strategies, Max, that's good stuff right there. But if we want to say uh, maybe there's some next level things to consider and, and topics to discuss, what would you say, uh, maybe for somebody once they're in middle or high school, what would you say those look like and, and why would they be beneficial to talk through? Yeah, sure, um, Ryan. So there, there isn't one right way to do this, but some areas that tend to get foc the focus when the kids are older include credit and boring, right? So I remember when I graduated from college, we had job fairs, a number of credit card companies had 
had tables set up and were signing up students and essentially handing out you know, credit cards. Today, we see many young kids that have credit cards from their parents. So the allure of credit card spending often starts young. So it's really good to show kids early in their teens how interest charges on balances and cash advances are calculated and what those charges mean in terms of the real cost of credit card purchases. Discussions about credit card and loans might also include the topic of credit scores, their importance and how our behavior impacts them and what impact they have on, on um, things like renting an apartment or buying a car, etc. So uh, another important concept in the credit era is mortgages, and that's maybe for the older crowd, you know, college graduates, for example. Now we see many young professional athletes, for example, or entertainers buy houses for themselves or their parents when they get that first big contract. In most cases, applying for a mortgage is a much better financial decision because of the tax advantages of having a mortgage and the ability to deduct some of the interest paid from your income. Generally, real estate appreciates in value over time and putting only a percentage down instead of paying the whole amount in cash is really beneficial. Another concept is equity ownership. So eventually, you probably want to impart some facts about how capital markets work and how to tap into their growth potential through equities. The field is wide open here from basics such as price per share and the pros and cons of direct ownership versus funds to the nuances of capital gains, taxes, and beyond. And then another important port, uh, concept in, in my mind is the risk and, re risk and reward concept. You know, as noted, financial risk is poorly understood by far too many people. And unfortunately, the brain's ability to accurately assess risk isn't terribly strong until we hit our 20s. That said, a concept like inflation's impact on the value of money over time can reinforce early discussions about the risks of savings and investing too conservatively. Likewise, the risk of significant short-term losses found among more volatile asset classes may help cement ideas around finding a balance between potential reward and potential risk. No, Hannes, this, this is great information. I appreciate you guys kind of peeling back the curtain, looking into some of these strategies. But I want to call a spade a spade here. Uh, financial topics and, and, and conversation isn't always the most appealing or most engaging to some people that just aren't really motivated by those discussions. So, Max, let me ask you then, uh, any advice then for parents or grandparents to make these conversations engaging for kids so that they do actually pay attention and the lessons really do sink in over time and, and ultimately they become financially literate. Any thoughts here? Yeah, sure, Ryan. So you want to do what you can do to make the lessons stick, right? There are lots of tools and resources you can tap to make sure the journey to financial literacy is more fun and less like school. Um, we all know kids love games, old school board games, such as payday life, monopoly, and others involve taking on debt that has to be paid back, deciding whether to purchase insurance, um, and dealing with the financial consequences. If you don't choosing whether to go to college or start working right away and other key financial decisions, most of us face in life, but it's in a fun, safe way. Um, likewise, there are online and console games that involve the same types of decision making. So you can find games that require players to navigate the intricacies of mortgages, earning money, managing savings and budgeting, and the risks and reward of investing. Another is allowances and side jobs. 
having to actually work for dollars can help younger kids and teens realize that money is finite and prompt them to start paying attention to how they save it and how they spend it. Require them to contribute some of the money they earn to non-essential items they want. Having to pay for, say, 25 or 50 percent of a video game can help kids better understand the cost of, you know, these types of items and help them develop a savings and budgeting plan for their spending goals. There are also tech-enabled tools. I mean, in this today's day and age, you can pretty much get anything on, you know, your smartphone or your tablet. Um, but, you know, with technology, parents and kids can access kid-friendly debit cards, too, that can be monitored in real time. Money is added to a child's account, and the associated app can help track balances and set up savings plans, budgets, and even charitable giving goals. Parents still maintain control over the account, and they can limit spending as well as get notified about every purchase made on the card, helping facilitate better conversations about money. So some of these resources also offer child-friendly investment platforms that show users how to size up risks and how compounding over time can really boost wealth. No, these are great strategies here, Max. I appreciate that. Uh, but what if you get stuck for those parents or grandparents? What if they're stuck in their efforts and, and they, they're noticing that they aren't really going anywhere? Or as you said, you know, the adults themselves even need to have that financial literacy crash course and to get their own level of knowledge up to snuff. Uh, what happens if you just get stuck in this process? Yeah, sure. And I think a lot of people do get stuck, right? Um, now, despite all that you can potentially do to boost your kid's financial liter literacy, you might want to enlist some help. So one bit of good news is that there are more schools are adding financial literacy classes to their curriculums and providing another avenue for financial learning to sink in. And of course, financial advisors you work with can be a great res resource for introducing and explaining fundamental financial investment concepts to a younger generation and potentially setting them on, on a path to make smart decisions about their wealth in, two, in the decades to come. Now, for example, we just recently participated in a financial literacy program at the NBA Summer League with uh, an organization called Courtside Moms, started by Wendy Sparks and Dania LaForce. Both of their sons play in the NBA. And those two moms recognized early in their son's careers that a lot of these young athletes lack some important financial skills that can make the difference between being set for life or be broke after their playing careers are over. So they are now helping to raise awareness about these important issues with other moms. And so these type of efforts um, on a grassroots level can really help people um, you know, get that financial literacy. No, this is this is great stuff, and I appreciate you sharing that that example. That is really good, especially when you look at, at how often we see and hear about those instances where a professional or athlete or entertainer after their career is over. Right? You know, we we hear about them having nothing left to show for it. But guys, uh, you know, sometimes it can always be beneficial to just have a conversation with a trusted advisor, a wealth manager, to maybe help a parent or grandparent navigate you know some intricate you know intricate kind of strategies or ways that they want to build that financial literacy among their children or grandchildren. Uh, guys, for anybody out there in the audience who might find themselves in that seat and would benefit from opening up a dialogue with, let's say, you or your team, Hannes, what would be the best way they could get in touch with you to just have that conversation? Sure. I mean, uh, they, they can reach us directly by calling us at 212-713-8952 or just simply send an email 
to get in touch with us. And our email address is hannes.grasher uh, at bbs.com. And there's also a link to our website where a lot of our podcast themes are, are listed. And people can just, you know, look at those uh, or just listen to us on, on Apple or, or any other um, of, of the um, services that, that feature podcasts. I think that's the best way. Fantastic. Well, look, guys, I know you are busy. You've got clients to serve, so we'll let you get back to doing that. But uh, I appreciate you carving some time out, jumping on here, talking through financial literacy, and uh, looking forward to being with you back on the next one. Sure, Ryan. Good Thanks to for see having you. us. Yeah, of course, guys. And hey, look, folks, we want to take one final moment, as always, and thank you for stopping by and being with us on the show today. If you did take anything away from today's discussion, you benefited from it in any way, shape, or form, well, make sure you hit that subscribe button then on the platform that you check this out on today. That way you never miss out on a future episode where Hannes, Max, and I dive into these wealth management topics so that you and yours can come out better for it on the other side. Before Hannes and Max, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on Through the Wealth Lens. This communication is intended to be used for educational purposes only and does not constitute a solicitation to purchase any security, insurance, or advisory service. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. An investment in any security involves significant risks, and any investment may lose value. Refer to all risk disclosures related to each security product carefully before investing. This commentary is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be officially those of UBS Financial Services Incorporated and the firm does not verify nor guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products and services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com slash relationship summary.